Ben Lawrence. How goody. Hey, so uh, why don't we do a podcast? What do you think? Uh, if we must. <laughs> why start now, they ask. No. <laughs> uh, so top of the hour, uh, first thing I'm going to mention is I am... I have a new obsession thing. It's a it's a new podcast. Uh, it's called Worlds Beyond Number. It's an actual play podcast, okay. and um, it's really good, really good. And of course, the first thing that it makes me do is realize how Goody Lawrence our podcast is because they have not only you know the people that are doing the podcast. It's an actual play podcast for people doing role playing game stuff. Where they they play a role playing game and you listen, right. um, but they have a, a producer that put that scores everything, and there are sound effects and there are like, you know, it's a I don't filled know, out world effort. is what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing, and I and I mean this uh, both for you and for the people listening. I I I like the way we do things. I like the fact. <laughs> That that we're just hey this is what you get because, um, and I know that we've talked about having dreams where we're about to go on stage and there's you know there's a chance that we don't know our lines or we don't do we we have those 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 fear dreams as normal yeah but there's Actors also sorts of things yes there is a there is a thing that I think you'll be able to like. We sort of made a pact with that, if you will. And we said we said to the actor's nightmare, hey, look, we're going to do you all the time. We're never going to feel comfortable. We're never going to say, okay, we're ready. But we're going to embrace that feeling and get used to the idea that we're scared every time we go on. Every right. time we go on, we're going to feel like we haven't prepared enough. And that's use fine. It. Yeah. yeah, which I like. So that's kind of cool. Um, let's see. Uh, by the time, no, that's that's not for a while. Um, we, just just housekeeping thing. Um, I don't think we're gonna have to worry about it. And when I say I don't think we're gonna have to worry about it, I'm doing a spring break thing for Betty's spring break. A spring, uh, like a vacation? Is, yeah, like a vacation. Uh, first month. I mean, first, sorry, first week of April, but I'm coming back on Thursday. And by that, I mean, I'm not traveling back on Thursday. Like, I'm travel. I will be at, at home on Wednesday. Right. But I, I will get back ah. on Thursday. So we'll still have the same, the same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll talk about that because my schedule gets kind of uh, all over the place in okay. the next few weeks. And so we're going to be uh, probably needing to reschedule a number of these shows going forward. Speaking of this, we have rescheduled uh, today's even. It's Wednesday, yes. not Thursday. Today's and this is going to throw me off for the rest of uh, <laughs> the time. Uh, speaking about being thrown off for the rest of the time. Uh, once again, coming up this weekend, uh, and, and who knows people as, as Ben and I have often stated, we've, we're writing this for you, the person listening in the future. Hello and welcome. You found it a treasure trove of two guys talking about what life was like in the early 21st century. 
Uh, so Indeed. hooray. Uh, enjoy it. Welcome. Um, right now in North America, specifically the United States of America, um, we are about to participate uh, in something called... Is it? Da- are we going from daylight saving time to non-daylight saving time, or the other way around? Do you know? We are springing forward, which means we are ending daylight saving time. Okay. So, uh, and I know that every once in a while, you know, there, whatever daylight saving times comes up, there's a there's a thing that says um, we are starting hey, daylight saving time. We're starting. Daylight saving time. I guess. That's what my calendar says. Daylight saving time starts. And there is, once again, a law to make daylight saving time permanent. Uh, So we are going to change the clocks, but then maybe we won't change the clocks anymore. Right. As as of um, 2013, uh, however, uh, we are still doing that. Changing clocks. As of what year? Uh, 2023. Did I say 2013? Hey, hey everybody. Uh, but yes, also since 2013, but, but we did it even before then. It's been around for a while. That's all I can say. I, you know, a lot of people are against the, us changing the clocks. I am sort of like with, uh, Paul F. Tompkins on this. Uh, he has a routine that starts, I am... Always amused by people who are thrown off by daylight savings time. It's just an hour adjustment in either direction, twice a year. It's not like you just got back from Australia. Yeah. It doesn't really bother me. The only thing that bothers me is that uh, increasingly, like, fewer and fewer clocks I own are connected to the internet, and I have to manually change them myself. Ah, uh, see, now that is a, that is an issue. I, I will say this. Um, the one time that it negatively affected me, I was a salaried employee, and I was working uh, a midnight shift. Right. And so um, we fell back, and so all of a sudden my shift that was normally 10 hours was 11 hours. <laughs> And I complained about it. I'm like, you know, I have to stay here 11 hours. I don't get anything else. So they're like, well, don't worry. Um, n- when when we spring forward, then you'll you'll actually work less of a shift. Yeah. And I was like, okay, fine. And then they ended the night shift, so I I missed out <laughs> on on both. So benefits. that large company owes you an hour. Exactly. Um, but. Well, no, that's not a large company. That was a that was a smaller company uh, uh, when that happened. Uh, but I I will say this, and you know I again search the audio, ladies and gentlemen. You will have heard me tell this story often because I I do mention it a lot. There was a person that I worked with uh, at one point in time who, yes, as we've said before, uh, with Paul F. Tompkins thing, got thrown off and showed up an hour late to work. Because the clocks changed. And right. yet, he showed up an hour late both times. <laughs> yeah. And I said to him, surely at some point in time, if this was the reason, you would have shown up an hour early. Right. But no. I think this person was just using daylight saving time as a crutch as a, or as an excuse to be late. 
Exactly. And I think that was, that's Paul of Tompkins, uh, meaning as well. That's his, his yeah. uh, thing. Um, also interestingly enough, so there's a podcast about Taskmaster, uh, okay. that I listened to in the past. Paul of Tompkins was on it and he stated that he would like to be on Taskmaster at one point in time. Uh, and I think it'd be good. Oh, uh, but right now we're on, uh, series 13, series 14. Guess who one of the contestants is? Who? Your old friend from Mock the Week, uh, the host of it. Darrell um, Green? Yep. He is, he is one of the, uh, and I, from what I understand, you know, he's a, he's a very interesting person and, uh, kind of uh, a smart person uh into science and all that and therefore yeah he hosts i mean they made fun of him all the time on mark the week but he apparently he hosts a uh a science show yeah uh, with with a uh, a british uh popular science person whose name escapes me at the moment is he a but is he a, a shares a famous name with somebody else astronomer confused of some kind i i because yeah, I, I think i know who you're talking so. about um it is uh why don't you why don't you go talk to blah 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 about it and blah 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 is is his name say maybe it's Ben something or it's Bill Nye. No, no I'm kidding. Um, no, huh. I know exact. I know exactly who you're talking about. And yeah, it is a it is a famous name. You and I are both thinking of the same person. This is what's so frustrating. I'm actually I'm I'm looking it up because it's going to bother me for the rest of the show. Brian Cox. That's right, Brian Cox. Also, not uh, the an actor. actor Brian Cox. Yes, the uh, actor. Well, actually. The actor Brian Cox is going to be starring in the final season of HBO's Succession, uh, which yeah. will start soon, which I'm looking forward to because I enjoy that show. It's another I one of HBO's rich people behaving poorly genre. Um, um, I will also rich say white Brian people Cox. Being jerks. People don't necessarily know this, but Brian Cox, um, originator of the character Hannibal for the screen. In the movie Manhunter. Oh, shoot. Ma, ma, Manhunter. Mindhunter is the series uh, about um, the guy who... Or, or the people who started the FBI's behavioral science unit thing. Yeah. But yeah, Manhunter. Manhunter. Uh, which I, I found uh, really, really fun. There's a pretty uh, famous story about that movie in that the... Um, the actor who played is it Wild Bill or Buffalo Bill? Um, in the movie, it's one of those. I think it's Buffalo Bill. It's not Buffalo wait. Bill Cody, but the character's name is Buffalo Bill. And he, you know, the the um, the antagonist wait, isn't it, of the film. Yeah, yeah, no, no. You're you're thinking of uh, Buffalo. Buffalo Bill is is Science of the Lambs. Um, it's Dollar Hide. Don't Francis the Dollar Tooth Fairy. That's right. Yeah. Tom Noonan. Yeah, you're right. I got my I got my uh, uh, Manhunter movies mixed up. So Tom Noonan, the guy who played Dollar Hyde, yeah. um, very famously stayed away from William Peterson, who played Will Graham, the lead in the mm-hmm. movie, until this scene where Dollar Hyde runs through a glass wall 
yeah. uh, towards uh, William Peterson. And before that moment, before the cameras had rolled, those two actors had never met on set. Oh, interesting. And that was all Tom Noonan's idea. And because um, I, I was watching some sort of making of, and he felt that it would help his character. Um, you know what? Now I'm getting confused. I don't know if it was his idea or or uh, William Peterson's idea. One of the actors had the idea to stay away from the other one because it would lend more like authenticity to that one scene. As we as we know, Ben, um, no matter whose idea was it, both actors kind of had to agree to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now here's something that's kind of fun. Uh, I I have some. Recollection, and I thought it was was Manhunter, but after I saw it uh, a second time, it wasn't. Of a, a person who I thought was Robert Guillaume, and I still think probably was Robert Guillaume, uh, playing some sort of an agent who says, "If you're going to," and then beep uh, me, kiss me first to someone else. Yeah. I always thought it was. I thought I always thought it was Manhunter. I was like, "All right, getting ready," and. Robert Guillaume wasn't in it at all. And now I want to know what 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 TV show or movie it was where Robert Guillaume played an FBI agent. And also, I was young enough at the time and and living in the Midwest enough in the time that it is possible that it wasn't Robert Guillaume. I just thought that it was a black actor who wasn't Gordon from Sesame Street. And just... <laughs> but I'm almost positive it's Robert Guillaume. I just uh, it is, Googled it that is a, line and yeah. Google had no idea what I was talking about. It is it is really interesting. Um I mean charting charting the 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 thing where there are some ideas you have as a child and your mind has grown up, but your idea hasn't changed. Does that make sense? Like there was a time that I was at an amusement park. Uh, Six Flags, I think. And there was a log flume rhyme ride. And I said, you can't touch the water in here. You'll get electrocuted. <laughs> and they were like, what are you talking about? And I realized that that was something my dad had told me right. when I was really young. Just as incentive to keep your hands inside the ride. Right. And I think that, I think that he thought that... Um, there were electric parts to it or whatever. I, I learned later... It's like I mean, the log is, flume had a third rail. Exactly. And and this is... Uh, like, the log flume, as you know, has no motor. It is just a thing that's being uh, run through with belts. And the belts themselves <coughs> don't have motors behind them. They're being run by something... So the, the idea... That there would be an amusement park ride that would actively electrocute anyone who would stick their hand in the water uh, is insane. That and when does you sound think like about a, it, uh, it makes no sense. That does, that also, I mean, it, it makes more sense, and it sounds like uh, like the, a cold open to an episode of House. Yeah. And here's something. Here's something else that that I think is sort of interesting, but um, you know, and. And granted, now, my my adoptive parents never listen to this, and my biological parents never listen to this. If any <laughs> of you are listening, um, you know, what I'm saying here, I love, I love all of you in different ways and all that, um, but I was watching uh, this thing 
on Netflix, which I, which I recommend, Copenhagen Cowboy, which is um, a TV series on Netflix. And there's a... The, the protagonist was taken from her parents when she was really young, right? And then just yeah. grows up in all these different things. And I realized... That that this isn't a lie. This is a this is actually what happened to me. I was I was taken, you know, adoption. A child doesn't understand what adoption means or whatever. I was taken from my parents when I was a baby. And put in a completely different place. Well, you were given by your parents to No someone. no and this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. I know that now. I understand the arrangement that was made and all that, but what I'm saying is you can't explain to a baby what is happening. Well, you can't explain anything to a baby. Right, exactly. So, in my experience, what happened was I I was I was, you know, around my mom, you know, and there's there's child psychology things you can look in this. I've heard her voice and I'm used to her smell and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, all of a sudden, she was gone. I'm in a completely different place. How old were you when you knew you were adopted? Um, I And this is the thing. is I was told for as long as I can remember, they mentioned it to me. Right? But there's, there's some weird stuff. Um, you know, the, there, there's, I, I've had constant arguments with my biological father about how much stuff I can remember. You know, how far back one can remember. He's of the opinion that you can't remember back, you know, past a Your certain point. Your adoptive father. Yeah. Adoptive. Yeah, father. Did I say biological? You did. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't had any arguments with him about that. I, we don't argue that much at all, really. Um, but no, to my adoptive father. Thank you for the for the correction. Um, but... Like there is, a, there's a memory I have specifically of um, my mom, my first adoptive mom who died when I was three. I have yeah. a memory of her getting mad at me for uh, saying, "Ooh, what's stinky?" And she said, "I passed gas," and she's really mad at me and very, you know, not like not like furious, but like you know, stop. Stop making a big deal about it. This is a thing that right. happened. And was there were there guests around or something? No, no, it was just us. She was cleaning. And uh and that happened that happened before she died, so I had had to have been three. And and it's not something that he could have told me or anyone could have told me because it was just me and her. Right. Um, so, but he's of the, he is of the opinion that no, you know, you don't have memories like that when you're that young, you can't remember anything, so on and so forth. So it, it's an interesting, uh, situation because, and this is what I'm talking about. I remember distinctly when I was in first grade, I want to say first grade or kindergarten, one of the two early, early when I was in the Pontiac school system in Pontiac, Illinois. I was at an assembly and this kid at the assembly asked if I wanted to leave and go to his house and play. And I said, sure. So we left school, went to his house. And I remember being in his, his house and playing. 
And then a man came and was really mad at us. And eventually I ended up back at yeah. my, my parents' house. But the thing is, and this is the weird thing, right? When I ended back up at our par- my parents' house, like, I don't remember that being my house, if that makes sense. Like... No. Like, I don't remember that being... I, I don't remember that being my house. That house with my dad and all that. I don't remember that. But the thing with my mom, in the same house, I remember. Which was before this other incident. So my memory right. of the houses, are, it, it, of the house itself, are really weird. Oh, I get it, yeah. Uh, you know... You know, there as a kid... I was just talking about this to somebody. It's weird when you are a kid and your brain decides to like make certain connections and solidify certain memories. Yeah. I, for the rest of my life, I will associate the cereal Sugar Smacks with the theme song to the Facts of Life. Those two things are forever connected in my brain just because at one time in my uh, childhood, Possibly many times I was eating breakfast while watching TV, and those two things happen at the same time. There's a thing that I read uh, that is that I think is really really funny. Um, that and I and I I could be wrong about this. I think it was Ireland. In some culture, when a historic event was happening, you found one of the youngest children in the village. And had them witness the event and then threw them in a lake so that they almost drowned. And then you saved them. And then the idea was that that person would remember that event for their entire lives because of that traumatic event that happened at the same time. I mean, I guess before the written word, you do what you gotta do. Like I, I remember, um, I remember a car crash that I was in, but I was I wasn't super young, but I remember that the car crash happened on Thanksgiving. I remember another car crash that I had that happened on New Year's Eve. You know, like, like, it is kind of odd that most of my car crashes happened around major holidays. That's when a lot uh, of that's when different. a lot of drinking occurs. Yeah, but but mostly it was it was me. Major uh, holidays are also in the winter time. Oh, more the people traveling. Yeah, more people traveling also. Um, and the roads the, are slick. Yes, slick roads as well. The 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 only thing I can think happened the like I, when I was young. Like I said, the the my mom dying thing when I was three is like one of those spikes. They think about because I can remember before and after. Um, I can remember when I hit my head on the on the cement breezeway. I remember specific things about that, like my my one of my grandparents saying, "You'll be back sooner than you can say Jack Robinson," um, which I it was odd. Uh, I remember the guy who stitched my my head up 
had a beard and glasses. You know, that sort of thing. I was pretty young yeah. at that time as well. But that was after was, my mom died. I mean, I remember I, a lot of um, big injury moments when I was a kid. Uh, one, I was running on the playground. I don't remember how old I was. Old, you know, young enough to be at recess. And I was running on the playground, and I was not looking where I was running, and I ran face first into a tetherball pole. Oh, and yeah. This is back when those things weren't padded. It was just a metal pole. Yeah. And uh, it, it, like, knocked me out. I remember, I remember the initial hit and then waking up on the ground surrounded by everybody. Uh, didn't break my nose. I think if I were like a couple inches either way, I probably would have broken my nose. I think I remember I, telling you this before, but that that uh, car crash that I got in uh, around Thanksgiving that was um, that was when a uh, van full of of kids, a minivan full of kids, hit my car. They like flew through a stop sign and hit my car on the side. It was like one of those one of those things that you see on TV now, where two people are talking, and all of a sudden there's a truck. It was like you that. weren't driving. They, this is when you were a kid, right? No, no. This this one was when I was driving. I, Thanksgiving. Oh, you, were, you were driving. Car, okay. Yeah. Um, hit them. They they hit me, and for a split second, this is the only way I can describe it. I know this sounds weird. For a split second, I was in Edwardsville, Illinois, standing outside the library. Uh. Like, you know, like, like just standing there outside the library, Edwardsville, Illinois, and then back to hmm. near, like, Edwardsville was in the area, right? But I wasn't in Edwardsville. I was by my parents' house. Yeah. Uh, and I was back in the car. But just for a split second, it was like I was somewhere else. And I think it's because, you know, when I got hit like that, I got knocked out for a second. Yep. And had, like, a little dream. But it was it was instantaneous. It was like it was like because I was still when I came back, I was the car was sliding and I was, uh, you know, freaking out. You, and then uh, yeah. you you forced you briefly forced the jumped to a another, another dimension and then exactly. pulled back. Uh, weird thing about that. I think I mentioned this to you before. We both got taken to the same hospital, right? Me and the and the kids. Um, and I've, I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but I, I, I'm almost positive, but I, I need to tell you the story because it's a, it's a great example of the relationship between me and my adoptive father. Uh, he came, you know, to, to help me out. They gave, they gave him a call. He's my, uh, he was my personal contact at the time. He shows up, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm getting, uh, checked out and they, they say that I'm fine. I'm free to go. So I'm leaving. And we enter into the waiting room where all of the parents of all the kids that were in the minivan are sitting. And yeah. they're, you know, they're talking to one of the kids and they say, well, you know, the whole town's out here to support you. We're, we're here. We love you and all that. My dad turns to me and says, I already talked to, to the people. 
uh, that car was at fault, you did nothing wrong, and then he leaves and goes to the bathroom. <laughs> and then they all look at me, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's great. They probably didn't know who I was until that moment. Uh, right. But... Anyway, so that was... And that is what happened, right? They, like, th- you yeah. weren't at fault for that one? I wasn't at fault for that one. Our our insurance uh, did not have to pay anything. Uh, I was at fault for a lot of other accidents that I was in. Right. But that yeah. one was not one of them. But yeah, still uh, planning on not uh, having Betty drive... One, we're we're still thinking about places where we where we might move. I just had someone. Uh, you remember Chris Harris? Chris Harris um, from Groupie. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I do. He he and I. I mean, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to. I you know pull him out of a lineup, but the name sounds familiar. He lives in Shoreline, and his statement was that he doesn't really recognize Seattle anymore. It's changed enough. Um, Fair enough. It's possible that living in Shoreline, he he missed some of the, uh, or or he's able I, to see it see it change more rapidly because I, he's not there I all think, the time. I think the phrase, and I hear this a lot. I don't recognize it anymore. It's a little yeah. hyperbolic. I mean, this is still Seattle. Sure, there are new buildings everywhere. Yeah, but like you recognize it. The the. And and that might have been my phrasing. Uh, he he just doesn't it's, like it's it as fact. much. I hear I hear that all the time. Oh, so it's not just yeah okay. Um, maybe they're maybe they're uh, it's the Mandela effect. This isn't Seattle anymore. Um, this looks I, like I, Phoenix. The the thing I said to him is you know if I could live anywhere it would be Seattle in the nineteen uh, in the late nineties. But you can't move to different time periods. I was uh, just talking to Cole today, and we were talking about, um, like, he, he's he been in his apartment for 17 years, and I asked him what his rent was when he first moved in, and he didn't even want to, he didn't want to remember what it was. Yeah. And I remember that I had an apartment, uh, my friend Chris Jacobs and I, this was back in 1999, yeah. had an 1,100-square-foot, two-bedroom apartment in Renton for $700 a month. And so my share was 350 Wow. And, yeah. like, my health insurance is more expensive than that today. And uh, that and doesn't even come close to what my current rent is. When I I think when I moved to the Marwood, I want to say that I was paying eight hundred and fifty dollars a month for that apartment, um, yeah. which was too much. Um, it might have been. I want to say that it might have been uh, like less than that. Which but one I, was the Marwood? Was that the one down like on Summit? Or yeah. near there on yeah, North I Capitol so. Hill. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that was a nice place. So, so the big, yeah, the big thing is that if we had to do it over again, like we're like, you know, we're we're planning on being here for like one more year and then moving somewhere else. And one of the places that Jennifer had mentioned, I'm I'm very much uh, 
of the opinion that I could live pretty much anywhere and find something to do. You know, I'm very, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like an inside person and all that. Um, I've got, I've got you, uh, on the podcast for, for friendship. Um, <laughs> and, and I've got my D and D group here, but they're really the mo- the only people that I hang out with except for Andy. Uh, but Andy is yeah. busy a lot. We don't hang out nearly as much as, you know, I had expected that we would when I moved back here. I don't see him a lot. So well, you both have jobs and families and yeah. stuff. And I could always get back on social media of some kind if I got super lonely or whatever. But anyway, so so it's desperate mostly times like, call for desperate measures. Like, where does Jennifer want to live? Right? Obviously, you know, Seattle would be part of it, but it it is expensive there. One of the other things, I mean, it, and that's just that's just what something we're gonna have to deal with. It's gonna be expensive wherever we live that isn't here, because nobody wants I mean, to live here. The, that's why it's so cheap. When the mega thrust earthquake hits, uh, property is gonna be real cheap around here. So we were talking about um, maybe Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, because she's got a friend that lives in Philadelphia. Um, for affordability, we're thinking. You know, Detroit is really interesting. It's super cheap, and it's like it's. I I I mentioned it's it's a it's like an entire. It's like Georgetown is an entire city. Georgetown in the, in the early two thousands, an entire city. Yeah. It's all these artists are moving there because it's so affordable, and one of the yeah, one which, of the few places. I mean. You know what's going to happen then. I mean, Detroit had a real big downturn. Yeah. And but now that it is super cheap and you can get like a dilapidated mansion for pennies, uh, it's yep. it's just gonna it is going to be Georgetown where the artists, the people that make it cool. We were talking about this talking about this yep. last week where it's going to be too expensive for them uh, pretty soon. Yep. And so you know that's that's a that's a question about. So I don't know. We'll see. Get in early. My my plan still though is to move where the company needs me. Um, right. you know, uh, if if in fact that happens, and that is all I'm going to say about work. I work. Hold on to your hats. I work for a company. What? Yeah, I know. Um, I don't. So speaking, of, yeah, I know. And you live in Seattle. I do. Think about that for I, a second, uh, everybody. I I was actually getting kind of nervous because uh, so the winter time is normally pretty slow for me, um, uh-huh. freelance work wise. Uh, but the last couple of years, I've had I've had two projects, like two big projects, like right off the bat, starting in January. Wow. And so I didn't have that this year, and now it's it was like when March first hit, I'm like, oh my god, I'm. I'm getting kind of nervous because none uh, none of my like regular large clients have like large corporation clients have contacted me. Yeah. And we're going through a big tech downturn here in Seattle like with with everywhere. And my my sister who works for a large company said that they've decided like they have uh, an edict from upper management to not hire contractors anymore to keep all the work in yeah. house with uh, with employed salaried staff, and so I'm wondering if the big two companies that I have been working for are also doing the same thing. And I'm like, do I need to like 
start networking and finding new clients. I updated my reel, I updated my LinkedIn, I made some edits on my website. I still have to, like, uh, I have to do a major rehaul of my website. And just yesterday, both of them, within a two hour period, contacted me for work. And so. This is me clapping yeah, and I'm, clapping for Ben. Nothing, like, nothing, nothing is like, you know, it's more like availability checks. Yeah. Uh, it's not like here's a whole, here's a big chunk of money, do stuff for us. It's more like, hey, are you free these days? Yeah. Which is a, just a good sign in and of itself. Um, we, we did but, notice, yeah. I mean, you know, after, after a while, uh, we noticed a pattern and we had, we had talked about it that March, for whatever reason, is, the, is, a time when a lot of financial issues seem to spring up not and not because of like people are, are paying you but just like a convergence of real life events happen for some reason yeah which is why uh the song march uh was created it's yeah. it's basically the the idea that it's it's the hardest time if I can make it through March, I can make it through anything. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think it's if I can make it through March, I can handle anything. But I could be wrong. Um, You're the one who wrote the book and the yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah. True. Um, oh, hey, speaking about March, it has the sound, uh, the sort of morphine sound uh, that sometimes we have because I have the slide on the guitar thing. And I read a little bit more about Mark Sandman. Yeah. Uh, died on stage, as we all know. But one of the things I didn't know about was that apparently, in interviews, he would become angry if anyone tried to figure out how old he was. <laughs> Questions about his age were met with hostility. Oh, people have weird hang-ups. Which I thought um, was interesting. I've watched a couple of live morphine uh, clips on YouTube and you can just see like how he behaves and how much he sweats and I'm like yeah I am not surprised that dude died of a heart attack while on stage he does not look healthy at all gotcha but there is there is one thing I like uh, there's a clip of Primus at some festival and in uh, during the song Tommy the Cat when he is singing as Tommy the part on yep. the album that is actually sung by Tom Waits, he uses like an old timey radio microphone, you know, to give his voice that sort of like high cut, yeah. uh, high pass filter kind of thing. And there's a label on that microphone and it says Sandman because Mark Sandman used that mic a lot. If you watch Mark, if you watch Morphine in concert, Mark Sandman has two microphones, one regular mic and one like high pass filter mic. And uh, so I thought it was nice, if that's indeed what it was, that Les Claypool and Primus were paying homage to Mark Sandman by labeling the high-pass filter mic the Sandman. That's very nice. Uh, I, I also have a thing. Uh, there was an episode of Saturday Night Live hosted by John Goodman that Faith No More played at. And in one of the songs, uh, I think it was epic, but I, I could be wrong. One of the songs they played, they played two songs. I think uh, the other one was From Out of Nowhere. Um, both great. Uh, Mike Patton was my favorite uh, lead singer at the time. Uh, he climbs into a fan at one point. And the fan says Patton on it. 
I believe. Uh, like Patton Oswalt. Well, well, Mike Patton, or, or you know, so. Oh, okay. But but that's the that's the uh, the manufacturer of the uh, yeah. the thing. So I don't know if it's true or not, but I. I, I remember Patton being on the fan. I'll have to watch it again and find out for sure. I wonder if uh, Trent Reznor ever has any giant industrial heaters on stage with him. And he crawls inside of it. That would be that would be nice. <laughs> Trent Reznor, Mike Reznor Patton. Branded. Trent Reznor, Mike Patton, and uh, Les Claypool Supergroup. I'd be interested. I'd listen to that. Did I tell you about Nevermen already? Nevermen. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the, the front man from uh, TV on the radio, uh, Mike Patton, and the front man for themselves and Subtle. Uh, and they're all together playing their own thing, and it works really, really well. I love super groups. Okay, I, I love covers uh, that don't sound like the original, and I love super groups made up of, you know, people whose stuff sounds like, like a mixture of the, like you can hear you can hear the the yeah. You, well, uh, I believe one of my oh, one of you, my we, you probably we might know be talking about the same thing. This. Go ahead, go yeah. Go ahead. One of my favorite supergroups, speaking of Les Claypool, yep. is a group com uh, called Oysterhead. I was about Les Claypool. To say, yep. Trey Anastasio of Fish and Stuart Copeland from The Police. And I had never heard and of them. You were the one that turned me on to them. Yeah. And I think it was Tom Wisely who turned me on to them. And I think they've only released one album, which is a shame. Yeah. So um, speaking of Les Claypool, as we have, um, did you... Uh, listen to Pink Floyd The Wall at some point in your life? At some point in my life, yeah. I don't own the album, so I'm not that familiar. I'm not as familiar with it as I am, say, Dark Side. Yeah, okay, so Dark Side of the Moon, too. Um, but but the the big thing is that Betty is going through a Pink Floyd stage and has brought me along. And I started noticing that specifically Roger Waters his voice especially in the wall at the more high pitched things uh, yeah. sounds like Les Claypool to me and really? of course I realized then that Les Claypool probably sounds like Roger Waters <laughs> um, yeah which one came first but uh, so I looked and sure enough there is a uh, a recording of a live performance where uh, Primus is doing In the Flesh off of Pink Floyd the Wall. And there are a couple yeah. other ones. And he's great. Uh, Les Claypool really can can do that. I love stuff. that he auditioned to be the basis for Metallica. And they yes. didn't hire him because he was too good. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, was, you actually need to start your own band. <laughs> to, say, to say nothing, though, of the... Uh, the current bassist of Metallica, uh, who was also really kind of... I, I don't know his name, but I saw a little bit of a clip of them auditioning bassists and stuff. And he plays Metallica songs 
uh, with no pick. He just does the the finger uh, yeah. playing, which was uh, insane. I at one point I should I actually should go back and and rewatch this documentary because I think about it a lot. It's the Metallica documentary. I believe it's called Some Kind of Monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it is called Some um, Kind of Monster. And yeah, I remember I came home one day and it was like one of my roommates was watching it and it had just started, so I sat down and watched it too. And it is Metallica was never really one of my favorite bands. Yeah, like I knew their major hits like Enter Sandman and and, uh, and maybe that's all at that I knew at that point. Yeah. But it just it was just fascinating seeing the the dynamic of all the guys in the band and how. When you are when you become that big of a supergroup, the sort of like personality push pull that happens when you're trying to do something creative. Yeah, you know, like make a it, brand. You new become song. You, because you're all businessmen at that point. You sort become of. some kind of monster. So um, the the one thing I wanted to note. Uh, so this is my the one thing I wanted to note. Um, this is this is my uh, <laughs> a flat. Uh, my my ukulele here and i've started playing this the, the i just wanted to talk about my right hand for a second i play like this now yeah so i used to play bass like this right this is my just my your bass middle line. finger up and down uh, uh, yeah. the middle finger and the, the first two fingers first two fingers like that and i used to okay. play uh ukulele like this with my thumb back and forth. And then I started practicing both at the same time and eventually my my hands just started doing this on its own. So I'm hitting the thumb and hitting the two fingers and it's cool and I love it and I never would have done it if I were taking lessons from somebody. And Zoom does not do it justice, but lessons, I mean, that's the thing that I learned from John Ackerman where I won a, uh, like at an auction, a one hour guitar lesson from John. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, he told me was that it's really hard to teach people who have studied for a while on their own is because you can't unlearn bad, or you, it's hard to unlearn bad technique. Yep, exactly. And, and that's why I'm never taking lessons. And I and apparently I am full of bad technique. Oh yes, hey, bad technique, great name, great name for uh, Goody Lawrence album, Ben. Bad technique is good. Bad technique. That's yeah. okay. Write that down. Put it in the put it in the thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, cause cause yeah. It, here's the thing, right? Eventually. And I'm going to be 50 on May 15th of this year, right? I'm going to be 47 tomorrow. What? Yeah. What? Happy birthday, Ben. Thank you. Yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. I didn't know. Oh. 3-9. Every year. Happy birthday, Ben. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, you were saying you're going to be 50 soon? Oh, uh, yeah. On March, in May? <laughs> in May, yeah. That doesn't matter as much as as your birthday. <laughs> didn't make Thank it, you didn't for telling me. feel bad. Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. Oh, 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 oh. Here we but go. As, Here we go. Hold on. As, hold on. 
people, as people listen to this on the podcast, it will be uh, last week, last Thursday. Yeah, so we're going to say March 9th. March 9th. And new event title, Ben's Birthday. Every year. Happens on the same Ben's day. Ben's Birthday. But as we are speaking today on March 8th, today is International Women's Day. Repeat, every year... For is it all always going to be international women? Uh, is, is, who cares is, about the is domestic your women? Birthday it's always... not domestic women's day. It's international women's day. Everyone's an international woman. Somewhere. Except yeah, <laughs> everywhere except the country where they live. So, you know. But Ben, uh the Schrodinger's Yeah, Schrodinger's hold on, wait. <laughs> Um, do you know about Schrodinger's friend? Have you heard about this already? Schrodinger's friend. What yeah. is that? <laughs> the idea is basically this. So there's the cat, right? And the cat is in this indeterminate state until Schrodinger opens the box and looks at the the cat and then the waveform collapses. The, the observer. I, the not, observer. Not necessarily Schrodinger. But. Right, right. Um, but, but in this case, it's Schrodinger. Because why not? He's like, oh, what am I doing here? Um, Schrodinger's friend... <laughs> Until Schrodinger calls his friend and tells him what his observation is, the cat is still in that indeterminate state. Which is crazy. But, what if, you know... What if Schrodinger, I mean... What if Schrodinger had video technology available to him? I think that he would count as an observer. You know, they do a thing with the single slit experiment that's really weird. Where they, where they record it, but they don't watch the recording, and if they like, seven days, it, it, it yeah, it, <laughs> I I want to say something something freaky happens, and I don't remember what it is. Uh, please disclaimer: this is not scientific. This is it's something weird. Like if they if they record, I don't think it, anybody's tuning into our podcast for scientific advice. If they record it and they don't watch it, it's still a deterrent until they actually watch the recording. Something like that. It's it's something kind of freaky. Of that of that nature, either that or it has to be a human observer. Yeah, maybe. Or or else, if somebody eventually watches it, <laughs> and so and so this person, uh, this person sets a, a bomb that's going to go off once somebody observes the thing. <laughs> Actually, you did mention... Pop quiz, hotshot. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you did mention The Ring a little bit. Seven days after you watched the... I alluded to it. Yeah, yeah so so what about that? Um, I mean, the thing's recorded, but you have to watch it in order to... So what if a... What right. if a... What if somebody... Uh, rotoscopes The Ring movie and then takes the frame uh, or takes the layer that the ring was off, do you still then, is it, do you die like less time? What happens exactly? Uh, worth finding out. I mean, if, what if you like, so it's, it's a VHS tape. That's the whole thing is based on a, like a VHS tape or may, or, or maybe not VHS, but magnetic tape technology. Yeah. Regardless of what format it is, oh, so what if, if you took it were the tape beta. out of the? What if you took the tape, you ripped it out of the cassette somehow, and you looked at it, 
Like, you you didn't put it through a VCR or a Betamax or anything. You put it on a on a reel-to-reel. You know, you can't watch it. You cannot watch it because you don't have, like, the, the magnetic... It's not, it's uh, not uh, uh, decoding inputs. it. Exactly. It's not reading the picture, but you are still observing the actual film yeah. outside of its observable state. I think the idea was Samara. That was her name, right? Samara? I do not recall the name. Um, so there, there's a, there's a thing, um, you know, especially in the 80s, this thing with indigo children or whatever, these psychic kids, the tomorrow people, whatever you want to say, um, where they could make pictures on Polaroid photographs. Like, like you would take a, a blank Polaroid photo and then they'd concentrate really hard and they could make the photo, make a photo into something. Fancy I think trick. The idea was that Samara was making this videotape psychically. Like she burned the images into this tape. I think if we, if you watch it, that that was the idea. And so I have the I have the Ringu DVD. I should go back and. Oh yeah, watch the it. Ringu DVD was weird. That the psychic guy was taken out of it. There was a friend of of hers that was a psychic dude, I believe. Uh, that wasn't in the other ring. Hey, speaking of Brian Cox, the Ring, he's in that. And it's a uh, it's filmed in Seattle. Well, parts of it is are filmed in Seattle. Yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, and on the ferry to Bainbridge Island, if that was the ferry on that the it was <laughs> on. I don't... It, if, although, if I recall correctly, so I saw the ring in the movie theater, and I remember watching that moment where, like, the horse breaks out of yeah. the, its containment on the ferry. And you're and you're and it looks like the ferry's in rough seas, and I'm like, eh, you know, the LA Bay doesn't really get that rough. Yeah. It looked like right. the open ocean. Oh, well, Man, not ben, ocean, but I I tell you what, if it does, does it cost more to live in ba on Bainbridge Island than it does in Seattle? Uh, it might. Yeah, I think gas is more expensive there. Because I was gonna say, um, if if you could live on a on an island near Seattle where you need a ferry to get on and off the island, uh, and it's cheaper, I would I would totally do the Bainbridge ferry commute. Uh, to Va hang out Vashon with you is, stuff. Vashon is probably where you want to live. I think Vashon might be cheaper than Bainbridge. Vashon's more uh, rural. Is Vashon cheaper than Seattle to live in, though? I mean, the, Vashon's got a lot of farmland. You could uh -huh. probably find you could probably find something on Vashon that is oh, cheap. Oh my gosh! Oh, this is news. This is news, Ben. And Bainbridge, Bainbridge, although technically an island, you can drive there from the mainland. Whereas Vashon, Vashon you, you can. cannot. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if Jennifer would go for it. I don't. I think Jennifer doesn't like being trapped uh, with no exit plan. You but are at the mercies be... of the ferry system. That would be something that I well, I would get a kayak. <laughs> Have fun with that. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know. But in the case of a zombie apocalypse, you know, be okay, maybe. Michael Hayes lived on Fashion for a number of years, and the what he did was he actually found a family that had like a mother-in-law unit above a barn. 
Yeah. And so that's that's where he lived. And like he also like helped feed the horses and stuff. Uh I don't think that like got cut uh any I don't think that cut his rent any. I think he was just being you know a yeah. nice person. But um you know, you, you might be able to find something like that. Cuz I don't know. I mean that that'd be I would rather live uh, this is just me personally, right? Uh, I would rather live on Vashon, Vashon Island. <laughs> Vashon. Vashon. Uh, <laughs> Vashon Island and uh, and take the ferry than live in, like, North Bend and, you know, drive a whole bunch. And I believe the ferry from Vashon to Seattle is free. Right. It's just to get... Fr- Seattle to Vashon. But the, the thing is, the Vashon Ferry doesn't go downtown. The Vashon Ferry goes to West Seattle. Yeah. So you wouldn't be able to, like, walk to the light rail and go to Capitol Hill or anything like that. You'd have to uh, drive. Take a bus. Or take a bus. I'm sure there's buses. Yeah. But, I mean, even that, even that would be uh, workable. Because West Seattle was nice. I liked being there. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, uh, nothing is anything yet, but, right, yeah. but still it's, it's worth, it's worth checking out. I think, you know, we, if, if we were to, to do that, the chances of us seeing our friends that live there would be much better than us living in, say, Detroit as an example. <laughs> Yeah. Although everybody Detroit's moved a little to Detroit. Far away. Annex moved to Detroit. Move Annex Annex in Detroit, Ben. Think about it. Annex East. Annex East. Or <laughs> Annex North. Annex Annex had North uh, North Central. Yeah. You you heard about that. Folks in Minnesota wanting to to label themselves North. Like not Midwest, we're North. Which I liked. They can do what they want. Yeah. Fever Tree. Uh, The Rap Collective, I think, were big into that. Oh, speaking about that. uh, Cascadia, the idea of of splitting off from uh, the rest of the country, sounds great until you learn about some of the people who proposed that way back when. Uh, Are they white nationalists? Exactly. That that was a con- <laughs> conceived as an ethno state. Now, now you don't have to do it that way. But God damn it, there was a there was a person uh, where because we were talking about uh, places that we'd like to live in the United States, and one person said Oregon, and somebody was like, "Hey, look into the history of Oregon for a little bit. Just just take a look, and it's very interesting. Not not completely interesting, but just." Um, I, re- I remember being a kid and learning about Pacific Northwest history and learning that this whole area, Washington included, was called the Oregon Territory. Yeah. And I was being from Washington. I was a little miffed at how come it's not it wasn't called Washington Territory. Yeah, exactly. Well, and now, you know, it's because they wanted two things well, named you know. Washington. So it could be ultimately <laughs> confusing for everyone about what you're talking about. And exactly. then when you sell, when you say, "Well, I was Capitol Hill uh, in Washington," yeah, that doesn't help. Uh, that doesn't help either. either. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, Ben. Doesn't, yeah. 
I'm I live in the other Washington. Well, guess what? We Is are that time? at the end of this podcast, so we can end early, so that Jennifer can go on her uh, her little. Oh, uh, those of you who don't know, uh, Jennifer Fact Checker from, from way back, uh, my wife Jennifer Pratt, is an audiobook producer, so if you're interested in someone producing your audiobook, why not check her out? Jennifer L. Pratt. Indeed. Uh, and I'm L. Sure, Pratt. I'm sure there's a website that I should have mentioned, but I think we're good for now. And Ben, All right. keep it wrong. Paul, Paul, I implore you to keep it wrong, and if you don't, I'll find out. And and once you find out, what are you going to do about it? I'll talk to you next week. Oh, all right. All right. Don't threaten me Bye. with a good time. All right. I'll see you, Ben. And we're clear.